Good morning and welcome to our service today. It's a, a lovely September weekend holiday. Hopefully uh, you're enjoying the chance to relax a little bit over the course of the weekend and if you're watching at home, uh, hopefully you are enjoying yourself. And welcome to our worship here today. We're building up our Jenga Tower and we have reached a Sunday when we celebrate in praise and we come before God in prayer. So I'm going to add praise and I'm going to add prayer to our block and hopefully I'm not going to knock the tower over. Uh, that would not be great. It's going to get a lot taller, this tower, because we have still got a good number of weeks left to build up our words that help us in our worship. I'm going to ask Angela to lead us with the call to worship. Thank you, Angela. Let's sing together hymn number 169, Praise the Lord with the sound of the trumpet.
Thank you everyone for the harvest goods that you have brought, uh, not just today, but over the course of this week, handing them into the cafe and other places. As you know, over the course of the last 18 months, we've very much been trying to play our part in the community and continue to support other charities. Um, the food banks of Aberdeen have been inundated with requests, of course, in the last 18 months. And we've been delighted to play our part in collecting goods every week. So these goods that we bring for our harvest today will be added to our weekly collection and distributed, shared out amongst local charities. Thank you very much for the blessing that you bring to others in the giving of your harvest gifts. Let us pray. God, the harvest, the gardener supreme, you place us at the centre of your wonderful created world. You feed us, you equip us, you provide for us. Through our personality and our character, you help us bear fruit in the fruitfulness of all the good that you can bring out from us as we serve you, as we serve others. Lord, we come to you today asking that you continue to feed us, but not us alone, that you will make an equal distribution of your goodness across the world. We know that the world provides enough resources. Help us share with our neighbour that the harvest will not just be for us, but will be for all. Merciful God, in the fading of the summer sun, the shortening of days and the cooling breeze, the swallows flight and the moonlight rays, we see your hand. In the browning of leaves once green, morning mists, autumn chill, fruit that falls, frost's first kiss, we see your Creator's hand. Forgive our moments of ingratitude, the spiritual blindness that prevents us from appreciating the wonder of this world and the endless cycle of nature, of life and death and rebirth. And forgive us for taking without giving, reaping without sowing. Open our eyes to see, our lips to praise, our hands to share. And may our feet tread lightly on the path that we tread. And our footsteps be worthy of following, for they lead to you. As we bless you, the God of seed and harvest, we bless each other, the beauty of humanity. And as we worship you today, hear us as we say together the words that Jesus taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. 
Amen. Our first reading today is from the book of Joel, um, familiar words at time of harvest. It's Joel chapter 2, verses 21 to 28. Do not fear, O soil, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, you animals of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green, the trees, trees bear its fruit. The fig tree and the vine give their full yield. O children of Zion, be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the later rain as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent against you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I, the Lord, am your God, and there is no other. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Then afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your own old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Amen. And may God bless to us this reading of his word. As we begin our reflecting on this Harvest Sunday, we might recognise that in many ways there is scarcity at present. Across the world, of course, there is scarcity in terms of food supply, in terms of medicine for all. But even in our own time, if you've seen the queues at petrol stations, if you've seen the empty shelves in the co-op, um, there is a sense that perhaps there is scarcity even for us. Ancient Israel's problem was the threat of starvation. And there was a real sparsity of the things that make life possible for them. But even in our world today, centuries on, we cannot minimalize the fact that food insufficiency is a real problem, particularly globally. As we gather at harvest, we collect goods for local food banks, so we recognise that even some in our own communities struggle. I want us today to think about the anxiety that humanity can feel. There is that very real anxiety for those who worry about where the next meal will come from, 
the food for their table. There is a real worry for those who are concerned about the increasing fuel costs. And before we even enter into winter, some worry about how they will afford to heat their home, particularly if the winter is a bad one. But then there is another type of fear that people know in life, not for the lack of physical things like food and fuel and energy, but the lack of friendship, the lack of love, the lack of job security, the lack of something to believe in, something concrete that makes life feel right. Today we think about everybody in the world who has that gap in life of the things that give security. What does the Bible say? Well, the story of ancient Israel, as we said, a physical scarcity of the foodstuffs that they needed to survive. In the message that we've heard from Joel, God promises abundance. He says, God will give you rain for your vindication. And not just rain, but abundant rain. That will lead to grain and full vats overflowing with wine and oil. The later part of that section that we read makes it clear that the promised abundance for the people then was still on its way. It hadn't arrived yet. But Joel was confident. Eating, praise and satisfaction are promised. Wonders to come. My people shall never again be struggling or put to shame. God's generous provision and more importantly, God's presence in the real circumstances of people's lives is a promise that the Bible reinforces time and time again. From its most ancient of stories, from the time of Joel speaking to the ancient Israelites, from the story of Jesus speaking abundance of all different types into the lives of his generation. And so even now, in an era that we live in, in a culture that continues to be hallmarked by a fear of scarcity for some and difficult lives at times for us all. The promise of the Bible is that we can trust God. We can trust his abundance. He has promised to care for us until our longings and the longings of the world are fully satisfied. Thanks be to God. We're going to sing now a hymn of harvest, hymn 229, just the first and third verses, we plough the fields and harvest. Now, I wonder, if I was to ask you, are you feeling happy today? 
Or are some of you feeling sad? I wonder what the collective answer would be. We could play a game. Now, do you know the game The Minister's Cat? So, uh, I don't have a cat. Um, but let's just say pet. So we could play a game of The Minister's Pet. Um, so if I was to ask you, the minister's pet is a happy pet because I could go around this room and invite each one of you to say, give me something that you're happy about. Now, I'm not going to do that because that's going to confuse the cameraman uh, upstairs for me suddenly going off script. Um, but just think about it. What, where are you at? Are you happy? Or even if it's not your personal life, if you're thinking about the, the wider world, what reason is there to be happy? Turning that on its head. The minister's pet is sad because what is there in the world that makes us sad? What is there in the world that is concerning us at this time? And we could go on with this game. I could say the minister's friend is a very secure and content friend because what makes you secure and content? Or the minister's friend is an anxious friend because what makes you anxious? What makes you scared? The thing about any congregation of a church, any gathering of people like this on a church on any given Sunday is the fact that we can't all be emotionally the same. And I was thinking about that this week. That, you know, sometimes like a service such as today when it's a service of thanksgiving and we know from the past that we try and create a kind of jubilant and, and joyful and upbeat service and the minister usually would start the service off by saying, uh, today is harvest Thanksgiving and we're going to have fun and we're going to celebrate the good things of life. And you realize that, in fact, you're speaking generally to a collection of people, but not everybody who's gathered in the church that day might feel able to celebrate because perhaps the week has been a very tough week. Perhaps something sad has happened in the course of that individual's week. In the same way, flipping that on its head, sometimes there's, there's a, a, a time where you, you have a sense that, that everybody is maybe kind of struggling or suffering, and you're maybe going to have a, a service to account for that. But actually, somebody sitting there has had a really good week. You know, a, a child has been born, a, a son or a daughter or a grandchild, something really good. So in, in thinking about how a minister presents a service, you've got to be really careful about the fact that not everybody in church on a given Sunday is feeling the same. James, in what we've just read, I think starts off by recognizing that. He's asking for those who are happy to sing praise for those who are struggling to pray. He's inviting the elders to look after people who are sick, but at the same time recognizing that there are others who are in a position to help because they themselves are doing okay. 
What I really like about the Bible at times is it's very real. It's very true. And I think that summary from James is a summary of the whole of life. And it's a summary for this gathering of people today. Some of you are upbeat, happy, excited. Some of you are just a wee bit sad or a wee bit down or a wee bit anxious. But the great thing about God's word spoken to us through the Bible and through his spirit that speaks to us continually is that we have the assurance from God that God isn't distant from us in whatever emotion we feel or whatever physical state we're in, either struggle or happy, because God is right in the middle, present at the center of our experiences of life. And as we therefore think about the things in life that we are to be thankful for today, we realize it's not just the foodstuffs that we are able to buy from the store and lay on our tables and use to feed our families. It's not just the cars that we drive or the homes that we live in that we're thankful for. It's not just the holidays that perhaps we're now thinking about, either planning for the autumn or thinking about for next spring or next summer and the chance that we have to, to go it's not just about our friends and our family that we're thankful for. We're thankful today because God has been present in the struggle of the last 18 months, two years, that God is present in our experiences today of everything that we are experiencing in our life. We today are happy because God is with us, right at the centre of our lives. Thanks be to God. We are going to now have a video, and this video has been put together by some volunteers of our congregation. And at the end of the video, the final section of the video, is Alison, and Alison is going to take her place uh, ready. Alison, if you want to take your place at the, the lectern ready for uh, joining in at the appropriate point. So we're going to watch a video now. What a weekend. I still can't quite believe it. When the manager called me in, my heart raced. I know my cheeks flushed. I hacked my brain trying to think what I'd done. And then, bam, a promotion, celebrations ever since. And here I am in church. Does anyone else know how pleased I am? How thankful? Time to pray. What a weekend! I still can't quite believe it. One minute the house is clean. The washing machine on permanently. The refrigerator emptied a day after I fill it. And then they're all away. Off to study. Off to work. What do they call it? Empty nest? I should be glad. No, I am glad for them. But I'm sad for me.
What a weekend. Thank you very much. We're going to continue our service as we sing hymn 448, Lord, the light of your love is shining. letter of James that we've been looking at over the last four or five weeks ends in this chapter with a petition to pray. It's actually quite extraordinary to think that James ends his letter this way because if you remember right through from the beginning he is somebody who issues a call to action. It's all about doing, it's all about getting out there in the world and, and making a difference with your words and with your hands, not sitting back. So it's quite extraordinary that for James, he sort of winds it all the way back to prayer. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, he says. The big arc of healthy relationships, the promotion of godly standards in all that we do, the call to be active in extending God's love is all being tied together here with the plea to have a continual, personal, and rhythmic prayer. 
not just in individual life, but in the collective life of the gathering that James would know as church. We can understand this. Prayer is not only to be seen in terms of extending our conversation with God, our relationship with God, but we know that prayer is also a a collective thing. It, It brings us together, it connects us together as a group of people. In fact, not just a group of people in a church, but actually a whole human family and with creation itself. Good relationships are ones in which peace is sought, in which people do not lie to each other, in which we care for one another. Such relationships, James says, are best found when people are healthy in prayer with the one who is peace, the one who is honesty, the one whose character is established on the basis of being care itself, care for the human family and care for the creation that he made. James is telling us that if we're wanting to create human relationships like that, human relationships that mirror God's love for us and God's love for the whole human family and for creation itself, then those relationships have a better chance of taking hold when our relationship with God is right, when our relationships with other believers is as strong and knitted together as possible, and when we see other people and the circumstances of our world in the light of the illumination that comes to us as we connect with God and with each other in prayer. James is telling us that Prayer is so crucial to the building of God's kingdom in the world. Prayer is so crucial to the life that everybody, each individual person, seeks to live and the relationship that that person seeks to have with God. James is telling us that if you want a good relationship with your neighbor, and if you want your neighbor to treat you well, then you have to be involved in creating this communal prayer that in a sense goes round and round the world in one pulling together of energy. I think it's remarkable that at the end of a book in which James is very much telling us to get out there into the world and go and do, go and do, go and be the church, go and be the faithful followers of God in the world, go and take God's love into people's lives, Go and care for the poor and the needy, the the sick and the anxious and the worried. Treat them as brothers and sisters. That as James tells us to go and do this, he finishes by saying that in order for you to achieve this, go and pray. Make a strong prayer life key to your life. Build your connection with God. Understand God better. Have a conversation with him. Pray. Get to church. Go to church. Pray with others. Be in a collective gathering with other people who think like you, who feel like you, who who want to grow in knowledge like you. Pray together with them. Make time in your own daily cycle of life 
to pray. James, the master of the right way and the wrong way. The choice that we're all invited to make. Who tells us that you can have an active faith life or you can be inactive. Finishes by telling us and calling us to pray regularly with others intensely in our devotional life. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, parent of us all, the one who made us, who knows us, who loves us, because of who we are, because of all the little things that make us, 
us. We each have different needs, different ideas, different hopes, different fears, different likes, different dislikes. But today we come together as a family, held together because you want us to be with each other. That we might support each other in prayer. That we might play a part in strengthening each other. We thank you, God, for our individuality. For all the gifts that we have, for all the things that we can do. Help us to understand every day that all people are different with their own needs. Help us to see that when we are happy, others might be sad. Help us to see that when we have plenty, others might be struggling, even for the most basic of necessities. Help us to see that when we are warm and comfortable and not anxious about our fuel bills, that others, even in our own communities, are cold and would love to turn the heating on, but are worried about the cost. And Lord, help us to see that while we might be comfortable in our lives and that we can understand the direction that our life is taking us and that we're confident and secure, that others just have the sense that they have no idea what's happening to them and why life has to be so hard. So, Lord, on this day, as we bring all our prayers before you, make sure that you help us support others in our family, in our communities and world. Help us find ways to love them with a practical concern and also to love them for who they are, with no judgment implied. We are one human family. Brothers and sisters together in Christ. And as we pray to you this day, may we continue to build a healthy prayer life in our own spiritual disciplines that we grow closer to you each day. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We close with hymn number 804. We will sing it through twice. You shall go out with joy.
hands and their heads shall bring forth before you there will be shouts of joy and the trees of the field shall clutch of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with you and all whom you love today and forevermore. Amen.